Welcome to the Future of Ground Transportation podcast, where we discuss the exciting innovations that lie ahead for organizational ground transportation. Each episode, we cover topics tailored to those resolving transportation-related challenges and provide tips, tools, and trends that will inspire you to stay ahead of the curve. And now, here's your host, Daniel Perez. Hi, welcome to the Future of Ground Transportation. Today we have Alexa John. Uh, Alexa is a Detroit-based specialized uh, specialized in auto reporting, uh, covering the EB business on the transportation desk, like Insider, focusing on the EV startups, uh, charging and battery spaces, as well as in the auto retail. How you doing, Alexa? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. So, Alexa, tell us how you guys started in the, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where are you located, and, and how did you get started pretty much uh, as a reporter? Yeah, so I know uh, as a young kid, always wanted to be writing. Um, and of course, born and raised in the Metro Detroit area, um, you know, one of the best ways to break into journalism is business reporting, specifically on the auto industry. So uh, those kind of worlds of mine uh, collided. And um, I my first role was at Automotive News, a trade publication based here in Detroit, uh, where I was covering the future of mobility. So all things future transportation from scooters to autonomous to, of course, electric vehicles. Uh, and I also covered quite a bit of the supply chain there uh, and then eventually found my way into uh, my new newer role, I should say, at Insider. Awesome, awesome. So what caught you, your interest as a, as a journalist and what caught then your interest to be in the EV sector? I like the transformation that the auto industry is undergoing right now. Uh, it's particularly interesting because it touches on so many different things. So it's not just about the vehicles themselves. Uh, it's about policy. It's about, you know, our regulatory framework. It touches on accessibility and equity and infrastructure and uh, investment. So it's it's all of these things that have to undergo a transformation alongside the industry that makes it really interesting to me. I, I'll, I'll admit, and I admit to any, anyone, I'm not you know, a tried and true car girl. What I like is really um, how many changes that that the business has to be going through right now. And just, again, how much it, it really touches on outside of just auto. Got it. Thank you, Alexis. So walk us through through your sort of your vision, especially being a journalist on this on this sector of the EV world and 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 charging and batteries in the battery space. What are the challenges that you foresee in the near future and the long-term sort of vision? Sure. Well, as it relates to the EV transition, uh, there are quite a few challenges. I think really near-term especially is consumer adoption. And um, that's probably not going to be a surprise to anyone, but it, it's related to a lot of different things. Consumers right now considering an EV, they may be past this idea of range anxiety, but I think that's really evolved into charge anxiety. Uh, anxiety around the infrastructure and, and charging availability. That's a huge one. Um, I think cost is still another big barrier for the industry as it relates to getting consumers on board. Um, you know, there are some more affordable EVs and certainly more models are coming out. But on average, you know, new EVs are, are pretty costly compared to internal combustion engine vehicles. Uh, so that's huge. Um, and then, of course, we should talk about the supply chain, too especially on the heels of the Inflation Reduction Act, everything that the Biden administration is uh, hoping to sort of install here 
a lot of domestic manufacturing uh, is the idea, but it's really difficult to get the lithium mines and the battery plants and all of the things that we need for the clean energy transition up and running. This isn't something that can happen overnight or even just in a couple of years. This is several years long transition. So I think both the consumers in the short term as well as the longer term challenges around uh, supply and how exactly we're going to be able to make all the batteries that we need for these EVs, um, that's definitely going to be a long term challenge. That is very well said, Alexa. And when it comes into, so for example, one of the obstacles that we deal as a as a business owner and operator in the uh, in the ground transportation sector is how expensive it is to create sort of this infrastructure. And you mentioned about the cost, right? Based on what you're seeing in the market, what you know when it comes into pricing, like I always ask myself, who's who's going to pay it at the end of the day? Is it taxpayers that are going to be paying for all these initi uh, initiatives? Is it uh, corporate America that is really willing to invest into, you know, making a, a greener environment? So like what, you know, just help me understand from your perspective, you know, what do you see from a cost uh, perspective? Sure. No, it's, it's a great question. And I look at it from a couple of different ways. When you talk um, outside of the light duty passenger vehicle space, you know, folks that own fleets, uh, more commercial, they're staring down uh, very relatively high upfront costs to obtain electric vehicles or trucks or whatever the case might be. That's where it's important for them to sort of weigh total cost of ownership. If you're a fleet owner, you really, really keep an eye on your bottom line. You keep an eye on fuel costs, all of these things. So make it making the transition to electric uh, does look costly upfront. But then, you know, again, you sort of have to weigh the total cost of ownership. But that still doesn't eliminate that infrastructure question that you pointed to as well. And I honestly, I think it's going to be a matter of multiple stakeholders really coming together to make this happen. Um, and I think we're starting to see more momentum around building out the public charging infrastructure, you know, going back to your average consumer, your average driver. You know, until last year, there had been very minimal EV adoption, especially here in the U.S. And most of those EV owners uh, were Tesla drivers, so they had the supercharger network. That's no longer going to be the case moving forward. Of course, Tesla will still have the majority for a while, but we're starting to get more EV drivers here in the U.S., and that's going to require a lot more infrastructure than there is. So we can no longer get away with what we, we've had for so long. Um, and so I think it's it's going to be so many different stakeholders, momentum from the government. I think the automakers really need to start to have more of a hand in charging if they expect uh, their customers to buy these EVs. Um, and I think different industries really have to play a role. That's that's very well said. And Alexa, one one of the things that came to mind too, as as you were mentioning, um, in California, they they became they they came up with this rule, and they hold me exactly to the fact, but they came up with this rule that by twenty thirty, all the vehicles needs to be EVs, right? All into electrical vehicles. But what I'm hearing is that we we don't we not we don't have the infrastructure just yet to the the infrastructure from a battery perspective to make all these vehicles EV. So if we don't have the foundation, how can we hold everybody accountable to go into the electrical vehicle perspectives, you know? Right. No, it's it's going to be very tricky. And I think people don't love mandates. So I'm very curious to see how that works again, especially here in the U.S. when adoption's been pretty low for the most part. You know, it's different from Europe or Asia. 
um, specifically China, where EVs have taken off quite a bit more. But here, people are looking at infrastructure. And, you know, if you don't live in a house with your own garage, your own plug, and you live in a multifamily residence of some sort, you might not have access. So what are you supposed to do? Rely on public infrastructure. But what if that's not built up yet? And beyond that, what if there is public infrastructure, but it's not working? Um, it's not running correctly. You can't figure out the payment. There are a lot of barriers there. And then, you know, to your point as well, electrifying these vehicles with the batteries. Um, if these automakers want their batteries to come from the U.S., it's it's going to take some time to get all of that established, especially because now a lot of different companies are competing for that capacity. Got it. So, Alexa, for all the listeners in the audience uh, in the podcast that might not be as as educated with the with the battery components, what what you know what is the main challenges? that we, we're seeing in the uh, private sector and public sector that you might be aware of or probably help us educate us with? So in terms of the challenges around the batteries, uh, here in the U.S. and really automakers all over the world have relied a lot on China for not only the raw materials like lithium, et cetera, but the battery processing, the cell manufacturing, all parts of making a battery. And now there's a lot of momentum in the U.S. to bring all of that here to have a domestic battery supply chain. And it's very tricky and it's not something that you can establish overnight. So we need to be able to tap into the lithium reserves here. We do have them, but there is red tape behind permitting and construction, pulling that out of the ground. Um, and then you, there's, there's the extraction process, of course, refining, getting that into battery cells, getting that into batteries, and then eventually getting that into vehicles. It takes a lot of investment. It takes a lot of time. Um, and I think we should mention too, it takes a whole new workforce that we just don't have established here yet. So uh, those are really the primary challenges I see. And um, it's something that really the whole industry is focused on right now. Got it. Now, I appreciate you sharing all those all those nuggets because I didn't think about those uh, sort of concerns and obstacles that we have in the upcoming uh, future. So you, mentioned, you also mentioned about time, Alexa. How far away are we from really having the the ideal infrastructure to to be a hundred percent ready on the electric, electrical vehicles perspective? Um, is it three years from now? Is it five years? Is it ten years? Or if you could please elaborate, like what do you foresee in the next three years, five years, ten years? Because every time that we bring a guest, no one seems to have a, a crystal ball, right? So, what is your perspective? It's a, it's a hard question. Um, it really, it does depend, uh, unfortunately, on sort of how stakeholders come together, how our investment is put into the ground, uh, which is why 2023 especially is so important, because we are starting to finally see um, some more accountability, some more transparency around, okay, how are these federal state dollars being spent on uh, installing public infrastructure and, and really building this out? So, it's, I think, I, I'm not sure I have the crystal ball either. I will say this year will we'll say a lot and will show us a lot as to how serious the industry is. Of course, it'll show, you know, the next wave of consumer adoption. And if they're willing to buy into these vehicles, even with not so perfect infrastructure yet, um, and, and we'll have to see how it goes from there. But, you know, when you think about how much money the automakers are investing, not only Tesla, of course, but all of the others now that are all in on electric, they really need consumers to buy these vehicles. And one of the best ways of getting them comfortable with that purchase is by having the infrastructure. So 
I personally would predict that more of the automakers are involved in the charging side of things, uh, if I had to guess. Got it. Thank you, Alexa. And from your perspective, what opportunities do you think this will create for small to mid-sized companies in the sector, right? You mentioned battery supply chain issues and, and other opportunities about batteries, uh, infrastructure, um, services to service, sort of this infrastructure as well. Like what opportunities do you see in the, in the upcoming future? I think it's fair game for companies of all sizes right now. And I say that because even though we're looking at, you know, a potential economic downturn, there's folks concerned about that. Momentum behind mobility has not really slowed. Um, it's a little bit more challenging to tap into funding. But if you have a good idea, um, I think I think it's completely fair game. So I think automakers are going to be looking for more solutions as it relates to software. Um, I think we have the hardware providers for the charging infrastructure, but now we need to think about maintaining those chargers, keeping them up and running. Um, anyone in that business, I think, has a really interesting opportunity to tap into. And there are a couple of companies so far, uh, but still there's a lot of work to be done on charging uptime, they call it. Um, I also think, you know, the battery space, players big and small, uh, also fair game. Automakers are looking for all sorts of solutions. Um, if it's from, you know, lithium, to some sort of new chemistry uh, for their battery, something that can improve their battery management. Um, there's there's a lot of different, I think, windows of opportunity. Yeah, it's just excuse my lack of knowledge here. So with the lithium, how, how does it play the lithium here with the role with the batteries? So lithium is really the primary ingredient for a lot of batteries that are being used to power EVs today. So I think anyone who might have some sort of play into that space, and that could be, you know, you own the lithium mine or you have lithium resources, uh, or you come up with a more innovative way to extract or refine the lithium, for example. Um, I also think it's related to uh, battery chemistry. So there are companies, small startups experimenting with different battery chemistries. We've heard a lot about this idea of solid state, which, you know, companies are still kind of on the fence about, but lots of development going on there that could steer us away from uh, a lot of the lithium that we need still requires. But um, so there's a lot of different ways to tap into that one in particular. It's not just having the resource. It's even perhaps figuring out a new way to recycle um, or, or repurpose batteries that contain lithium uh, once they're no longer in a vehicle. Well, very well said. So how much, and again, this is something that I still need to dive uh, deeper, but sort of, for, for example, as far as supply chains with the lithium and, and mines, how much can we really produce here in the U.S. or is it mainly coming from China and what sort of obstacles do we have there? I think there are really a lot of resources all over the planet uh, that are still to be tapped into. So, you know, you hear sort of different, I think, um, estimates from various uh, experts in this space, but there are lithium reserves that haven't yet been utilized. It's a matter of uh, getting that lithium out of the ground to simplify it. That's where the challenge really lies. And especially here in the U.S., um, I've talked to some folks in the space that say it's going to take me five, seven, ten years to get this lithium mine up and running here somewhere in the States. And automakers, the auto industry, they don't really have that kind of time right now. So it's going to be tricky figuring out how to reduce our reliance on China, 
while also, you know, taking the time and waiting, unfortunately, for us to be able to grab those resources somewhere here. And, you know, we can look at Nevada, we can look at some parts of the Southeast. Uh, again, there are resources, but um, you know, starting to pull them out of the ground from scratch, it's just going to take time. And again, I can't underestimate or understate the amount of investment and dollars needed to do that. Totally, totally. Thank you, Liz. Alexa. So in regards to innovation and, and the future here in this, in this podcast, we normally talk about uh, transportation innovation. What sort of innovations do you, do you like to see come in the near future when it comes into electrical vehicles or if it's not electrical vehicles we always talk about whether this is smart roads autonomous autonomous vehicles and flying cars this is all around the corner and this is all sort of the competition too on the road for electrical vehicles and electrification so like what do you see in the future um and what what sort of innovations you would like to see in the space of electrical vehicles or, or other methods I'm personally really excited to see how charging evolves and to my point earlier, specifically how we're keeping these chargers up and running. So uh, it doesn't matter if we just have plugs in the ground here, plugs in the ground there, they have to be working for folks to be able to feel comfortable driving an EV and buying one for, you know, a little bit more money than you might with a gas powered car. So I'm curious how you know, companies come up with uh, new ways of dispatching electricians to keep these things working and uh, new softwares maybe to keep these things working or being able to report problems with a charger and getting it resolved a lot easier, a lot quicker than you can today. You know, today you might look at the charging, uh, you know, map, uh, say, oh, I'm going to show up to this site, plug my car in, and then you get there and it may or may not be working. That's going to be a huge problem. So, um, I'm curious about innovations there and really anything that can make the EV battery supply chain easier. Um, I really think there's a lot of different possibilities. I think recycling is one that can't be understated. Um, so making sure, you know, once the, these materials in a battery um, aren't useful for a vehicle anymore, getting them back out of that battery and then putting them back into the supply chain somehow. Um, those would probably be my top two. That is awesome. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm also wondering from a price perspective, uh, as we discussed earlier, what is going to be the difference at, at one point that is totally makes sense to go from gasoline or diesel into electrical vehicles that you could really justify the expense, you know? Sure, sure. Well, you know, as I mentioned right now, for the most part, EVs are are trending on average higher than your gas-powered car. I don't think that will be the case forever. Uh, there's a lot to say about supply and demand right now. Um, so prices will be higher um, for the foreseeable future. I think at some point, though, you know, just as I was mentioning with fleet companies, your average driver will consider the total cost of ownership. So even if you may be paying a little bit more for your EV over the lifetime of the vehicle for the years that you might have that car, how much do, do you save? And we know with EVs, you certainly save on fuel. Uh, but you know, you also save on like service and maintenance and repairs, um, some folks say. So uh, I think it's important to look at, you know, yes, maybe this upfront cost will be a bit more than I'd like, but I know how much I'm saving on throughout its lifetime. That that could look pretty good for most folks. Totally. Thank you, Alexa. And from a, from a governor's perspective, 
what sort of challenges do you see municipalities in cities sort of adapting to the EV sector, right? You, you mentioned we, we're going to need infrastructure to make sure that we could supply the, the demand, but what do you foresee as far as the main challenges for, for cities to really enforce these programs? Yes, I think that's such a good question. Um, cities are really important in making this whole transition happen. Uh, I think one of the obvious questions is sort of the grid and grid capacity, um, whether our current electrical grid will be able to handle a lot of the energy demand um, that we might have from plugging in all these EVs out one block, for example. Um, I think there's still a lot to be seen on that front. Uh, but I also think, you know, cities, municipalities, have a lot of insights into their community's charging needs, far more specific than, say, a federal policy. Um, so, you know, a, a municipality might have more insights into where people could park for 20 minutes, an hour at a time, plug in, and it wouldn't be inconvenient. Maybe they have insights about, you know, traffic to their local, local grocery store or the coffee shop or the mall or whatever the case might be. They have a lot more um, data and information about where people go, how long are they there? And should we put a charger there? Um, and so I think that's going to be really important to leverage. Got it. Thank you, Alexa. And what are you excited again in the EV sector that I haven't asked you or anything else that you would like to sort of add on that, that I didn't ask you? Yeah, I'm really excited to see what uh, types of cars that the automakers come out with, you know, until now we've kind of been limited in the types of EVs that have been available, not only in price, but just styles. Um, and I think consumers are looking for more options, certainly more that affordable options, but also, you know, we love our SUVs here in the U.S. We love our trucks. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see uh, what the big auto companies come up with that really are the products consumers want. Um, I think that makes for an exciting next couple of years in particular. Um, and definitely want to see where the pricing goes as well. <laughs> totally. And I, I mentioned earlier, again, um, sort of with the essence of the podcast as well, uh, the future of transportation. So when we when we talk about flying vehicles and autonomous vehicles and smart roads, what comes to mind uh, as a being a journalist in the electrical vehicles and battery space uh, what comes to, to mind to, you know, of the future of transportation? You know, it's tricky. I think I've been hearing a lot of conversations around the possibilities of hydrogen fuel cell technologies. Uh, it's less my area of expertise, but I know there are a lot of industry folks excited about that as well. Maybe not for, you know, your car or my car, but maybe for long haul trucks, for example, or, or trucks who, uh, which wouldn't be able to you know, work well with just an EV battery because of the infrastructure. So um, that definitely comes to mind as a future of transportation technology. I think there will be more self-driving technologies. I don't know if we'll see, you know, completely autonomous vehicles anytime soon. That also uh, takes a lot of investment and development and talent and such. But, you know, certainly there are companies making strides in the area of self-driving. So uh, both, both a couple things to look out for. Yeah, totally. That's very well said. And, and it's funny because as you mentioned that, I'm also thinking we we sort of have a fight against electrical vehicles that we need to conquer. And at the same time, you know, we're coming up with all these different innovations for autonomous vehicles, flying cars. So it would be pretty excited to see how we're going to end up in the next 10, 20 years. 
Cool. So Alexa, what is, what is the best business advice you have ever gotten, whether it's business or personal? Yeah, I like that question a lot. I think it's really just following your passions. And, you know, that might sound simple, but, you know, especially in journalism, for example, it can be a hard industry to to break into. Um, but you really, if you can, uh, follow your passions and uh, sort of the other pieces will will fall in place. Awesome. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, even though uh, I always say that the common, the most simple things and the most common things in life are the ones that we normally don't do. You know, whether it's going to sleep early, eating healthy, uh, going to the gym, you know, just the simple things in life are, which is are the easiest. Sometimes we don't, we don't do them. So yeah, you, you're really right. Following your passion. What about, um, what is the best top book or top two or three books that you, that you will recommend to all the listeners, especially for folks in the, uh, in this sector? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I'd have to I'd have to give that one some thought. I do. I will say, you know, I do far less book reading than I do just reading of other reporters' work or uh, various resources. A lot of research. Um, so I think I really like to read, um, you know, just resources around the EV battery supply chain, where things are going. Um, I love to read Benchmark Mineral Intelligence. They put out a lot of resources on their site and on Twitter about battery prices and raw materials a little bit nerdy there but uh sort of one of the resources that i pay attention to the most as someone in the space that is awesome that is awesome so alexa where can all the listeners learn more information about yourself about insider or how can we contribute uh to your journey as well as a journalist in the sector or or in, in any other way possible yeah, I really appreciate that. So I'm on Twitter. It's at uh, Alexa St. John. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I always appreciate a follow or a connection on LinkedIn. And then um, if you go to the Insider Transportation page, I'm sure you'll stumble upon one of my stories there. I have a uh, author page on uh, Insider's website too. So uh, you can find me a couple of ways. And honestly, I'm always happy for an email. So Perfect. Alexis, so we will add this note to the episode. Again, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. We appreciate taking your time. For all the listeners, please uh, tune in for the next episode. And thank you for joining us tonight. Thank Great you. Day. Thank you, Alexa. Thanks for tuning in to the future of ground transportation. We appreciate you coming along for the ride. If you found value in this episode and want to hear more, please make sure to subscribe to the show.